Good morning. Do we have any uh, kids in the room? Any kids, any children in the room? I love it. I see lots of kids. Do we have anyone in the room who has been a child before? Anyone who's been all over the room? All over the room, lots of people who have been children. As a child, I wonder, did you ever feel like, and children, you as a child now, do you ever feel like your parents and the tasks they have for you are just a bunch of busy work, rules, and things to do to push through so that you can just do what you want? Man, I, I spent most of my childhood thinking that my parents were just the thing in the way to get to what I wanted. Like they gave me responsibility, they gave me tasks, they gave me chores, we'd read scripture and pray together some. We, we had all sorts of things that we were supposed to do, but ultimately, like my plan was to go and read my book or watch whatever show I wanted to watch or get back outside and get messy again. Like the parents were just the things in the way of me living life and having a good time. Kids, if your parents ever get in the way of you having fun, let me see, yeah, I know, right? They do. Oh, man, and I used to think if I could just get around these guys, I could do what I wanted, I could enjoy, I could enjoy my time, and I could enjoy my life. In fact, some of you guys this morning, as I'm getting ready to preach, you're thinking, if I could just get through this next 20 minutes of this guy talking, I get back to enjoying the things that I want to do. Can I, can I share with you really quickly a way that I enjoy getting through church services? Are any kids interested in knowing how I like to get through Come here, come here, I want to share with you. Hey, if you're a student, you're going to help me, come on up. And kiddos, come, come see me. If you're, man, if you're anywhere from 12 and under, come on up. I want to share something with you. I have something for you. All right, as you come up, one of these tall people, they're going to give you a couple of my favorite things to mess with during church service. These are my favorite. Um, go ahead, everybody, get a few of these. Who knows, what are these? Pipe cleaners, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. How many of you guys like to mess around with these? Yes? Good, 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 good. All my, all my adults are being bombarded. All my, all my students are doing a good job. All right, give a couple of them out. Just throw them out there. I want to share with you about these pipe cleaners, but I know there's no way I'm going to be able to do that until you have a few in your hand. And we've got a minute, right? <laughs> Just going to have to wait a minute. While they're getting their pipe cleaners, I'm going to catch you up this morning on where we are. So we're in the middle of a study in the book of Ephesians. And the theme or kind of the verse that we really are, are jumping out from is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, which says to God who is able to do so much more than we could possibly imagine or fathom. And the idea, the truth that we're learning from the book of Ephesians is that God has bigger plans, bigger dreams for what he's created than we have. That when we do things our way and according to our plans, typically we're living for a smaller dream and a smaller goal than what God has for us. And we've, we've talked through what that looks like in our homes, in our marriages. We've talked through what that looks like in our relationships at work and out in the community. This morning we're going to talk through what God has imagined for us in one more way and how it's bigger than what we usually fathom or imagine. Man, what a wonderful crew here. Does everybody have a few pipe cleaners? Almost. Not yet. Not yet. You have one. That's all right. One will be plenty. I'm going to give some over here. And as soon as we've got them all, I want you guys to think about something with me. Here you go. Ready? Go ahead. Grab them. Go ahead. Grab a few. You're welcome. You're welcome. Spread them around. Grab a couple. Love it. So, kiddos, once you have your pipe cleaner, take a look at me for a minute. Some of you. 
have one. Some of you have four. I love it. It says something about your personality. All right. I love it. All right. So what I love to do during the service um, is my kids usually get these in their box, and they're supposed to play with them. But I usually take them from them um, because I love to mess with them. And what we'll do, huh? Okay, we'll get Grace another one. He can have more than one. I'll be sure you get some. Thank you. Keeping it fair. Are you ready? So what I love to do is to listen to Brother Ben preach, and he'll talk about something. I don't know what. Maybe he's talking about the ark and animals, and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to start making an animal. Yeah, I'm going to start working on it. I'm going to kind of twist this guy around and twist this guy around, try to give him some legs. I'm going to try to. Doing this on the fly. I should have done this beforehand so that I don't fail. I don't know. I'm going to make it, and then we're going to see if you can guess what I make. How about that? What does it look like? I love it. See, they have great imagination. You're like, I don't know. What did you do? And they have imaginations. They can tell. It's a giraffe. Yeah, yeah. So I love to make things just like this. These are my favorite because they're honestly really simple. But sometimes (laughs) they're simple. Sometimes, check this out. Sometimes simple, boring things can really be extraordinary if we lean into them with a big imagination. And our God has taken something very simple and seemingly boring in our lives and made it extraordinary. Can I share with you one place where God has a really big, amazing dream for you that you may be missing? Can I share with you this really neat dream that God has for you? Check this out. Your parents, God has a phenomenal dream for you to lean into that relationship and to enjoy them. See... I love, are you ready? I love to be outdoors. I love to hike. I love to go like canoeing. White water rafting is amazing. So you get in a big boat on a big river. I say big. It's about this wide and like this. And you get like eight people in it and you go down this really fast moving river. There are rocks everywhere. There's deep places and shallow places. And you fly down this river. And do you know that every time we go down this river, this Okoe River, you have to have a guide on your boat. You do have to have a life jacket too. And you have to have a guide on the boat. Check this out. The reason we have these guides is because there's certain parts of the river that if you get your raft turned around, it flips over and you go down. And the water moves so fast, it will pull you under. And obviously we can't breathe underwater. It gets really scary really fast. There are certain places where the rocks are really sharp. And if you fall out, you might hit them. The guide, man, the guide has rules. I remember... Last time I went, one of the guys on the boat with me said, hey, can we jump off that big rock over there? And our guide looked at us, and he said, absolutely not. You can only jump off that rock if you want to fall into that water, get pulled under, and never come back up again. Uh, Because that water would suck you right in. He said, that is not a place for jumping in. And in the same way that that guide's job was not to ruin or make us have a bad day, his rules were there to keep us safe, right? Man, when he spoke into our life, as we went down that river, his plan was that we would have a phenomenal day, not a boring one. His plan is that the adventure would go well, but sometimes a wonderful adventure requires us knowing that there are some safe places and some dangerous places. Does that make sense? Your parents are God's way of showing you what this adventure that you live, that it's safe. Hold on just a second, G. Hold on. <laughs> Uh, You're right. That would be wonderful. All right. (laughs) 
I'm too, I'm too friendly. Like, I, I can't stop. I got to, all right. This is, this is so not in my wheelhouse. But you get it, right? What I want you to see is that your parents, your parents, look at me, are, are a guide to help you get through life beautifully. They're going to have some rules along the way, and they're there so that you enjoy life more than you would without them. Does that make sense? Their rules are for your good. Good. So here's what I want you to do. Are you ready? Ephesians chapter 6 says this. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I love it. Honor your father and your mother. Do you know what honor is? Honor means treat them like heroes. Like the things that they do super well, tell them thank you for. Give them great compliments for the things that they do wonderfully. Pay attention to the great things that your parents do for you. So here's, here's the deal, and this is where I get you back. I have some chocolate and some Starburst for you. Yay! But hold on. Here's what I need. As you go sit down, I want you to think about something that your parents do for you that you absolutely love. All right, if, they, man, if they read to you and it's your favorite thing and you want to honor them for that, I want you to take your pipe cleaners and I want you to make a little rectangle that looks like a book. Dude, if they um, tell you stories at night, they just make them up off the top of their head because they're brilliant. Or then make a picture of your bed, like your nighttime thing, what you do right as you get ready to go to bed at night. Maybe they pray with you every time you sit down to eat and that matters. Then you can make a picture of your table. But here's what you do. Take the pipe cleaners and I want you to make some kind of shape or symbol of what you love your parents for. Something that they do in your life that you can honor them for. And after this service is over, if you meet me out there and you show me what you love that your parents do for you, Right? And if you tell me that you're going to tell them, I'll have some stuff, some Starburst and some chocolate for you. So your job is to make what with the pipe cleaners? <laughs> I love it. I got so many answers. All right, check it. Something that your parents do with you that you love. Got it? All right, a symbol of something. Your parents will help you there. They're going to listen a little bit, but you guys, hey, parents, good luck. Here they come. Um, all right, you guys, roll back to your seats. And thank you so much for helping me. I appreciate it very, very much. <laughs> I love it. Good. That's super great. Hey, thanks. I wanted to communicate to our kiddos first because they're at the beginning. And I felt like that would help a little bit. So, man, if you're an older student in the room, um, maybe you're a college student, maybe you're a high school, middle school student, I want to speak to you just for a minute about this. It's easy to think that our parents are in the way of us enjoying our life. That the things they ask us to do are just busy work or rules that are getting in the way of what we were made for. There is a better vision that God has for your family than that. Man, God wants you to honor your parents. Not just obey them, not just do what they say and get it done and move on. He wants you to discover what you're created for. And your parents have seen more than you have seen. They have fallen more than you have fallen. And they want to be heroes that protect you from the pain that this world and Satan will throw at you. As your parents speak to you, and listen with a big heart. Learn with an open mind. Let your parents guide you. They're not going to get everything right. Neither do your friends and neither do you. That doesn't mean you stop listening. Honor them. And when they do something wonderful, remember it. Notice it. And in our culture, especially when it comes to us, younger people, like I say younger, 20s and younger, it's easy for us to feel entitled and like we deserve a lot. And like that that's just what our parents are supposed to do. But check this. 
Well, you begin to notice all the things that they do, all that they feed you and clothe you and the time they spend with you and the things they take you to and the ridiculous number of games and trips and retreats and vacations and events and all of the things, all of the ways they spend time with you. Man, notice that your parents are for your good. And kiddos, honor them. Don't just obey them. Honor them. Make a big deal out of their best things. And when they mess up, hey, let it go. (laughs) Try to forgive your parents. When they make a mistake, go, hey, you do so many other things that are right, I can handle. I can handle it. Because they do. They do so much for you that's good. Yeah, yeah. Students, I want you to dream. Kiddos, I want you to dream bigger things for your family. Don't listen to our world that says your parents are just rules and just taskmasters in the way of the fun that you want to have with your life, and they don't get you. It's not true at all. None of that's true. And what God wants you to see when you see your parents is an authority that reflects him, a guide that can bring goodness and joy and the best out of life if you'll listen to him. And if you'll heed their instructions. And I can tell you that that's true because he promises it right here. He says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. That you will enjoy your life on this earth. If you want to enjoy your life, listen and lean into your parents. They will not be perfect. You'll have plenty of times to ask questions and try to clarify the things that they teach you. But the point is, is that they are for your good. And when they do good to you, man, honor them. And hey, look, this goes for me too. If you're an older adult who still has your parents around, man, call them once a week. Tell them thanks. Don't forget about them. Don't get so busy with your kiddos that you you forget that they're there. Man, write them notes. Man, on Valentine's Day, send your mom some flowers. Even when we get older, let's find a way to honor our parents. Don't forget them. They still are telling us crazy things, uh, but they also have spoken a lot of truth into our lives. Yeah? All right, cool. And then this is the second part, um, and the part that makes me a whole lot more nervous. Um, Because if I'm honest with you, when we step into this, (laughs) when Paul says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I find myself in a place where I'm a little bit intimidated, especially if I'm going to talk to you and encourage you in it. The truth is, is that I want to teach my kids. I want to lead my kids in following the Lord. But man, we live in a busy world, and I don't always know if what I'm doing is right or makes sense. I got to tell you, so I find myself again this week trying to decide what we should do and what we shouldn't do. I don't know if you find yourself there every once in a while, but between baseball and between birthday parties and between scouts, between school, between just campouts and my kids wanting to just go play at the park or go to the zoo, there's a lot of stuff that we manage. Not to mention the homework that you have to do or getting them to school or getting them home from school. Man, our lives are full and busy, yeah? And I found myself again this week going, all right, how am I gonna balance it? We're gonna do like, we'll do baseball practice for. 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and maybe the coach won't freak out on me. And then we can go to the birthday party, and maybe my son won't freak out at me for missing the first part of the birthday party. Like, we find ourselves, and I wonder, why is it? Like, why is it that we find ourselves tied up in so many things, trying to accomplish all of the tasks, wanting our kids to experience everything in the world that we can get them into? 
And as I started to think about it, I realized a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's hard for me to decide what things matter most and what things don't. And in my fear of my son or my daughter missing out on something wonderful or meaningful, I run off into so much that I think a lot of the things that we find ourselves doing lose their meaning. We race from one thing to another, and we're tired, and we're wore out, and we don't get to have conversations about the things that we're doing. We just do them, and we move to the next thing. Man, if you're a parent in the room, and you're with me on that, um, man, I love you. And know that I pray for you as I pray for me, and I'm trying. But I do want to share with you what I believe the Lord has for us that can bring some light and some hope into this space where we go. I don't want to waste my life and my kids' lives on things that don't matter. But sometimes it's hard to know what to say no to and what to really lean into and do consistently. He says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And he has one great big principle here for us. Right? He says, raise them or bring them up. This is to nurture, to care for. And so he says, nurture your children. In two things, he says, the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Discipline is this word underneath it, is this teaching for whole life. Um, in Greek, this word has a lot to do with the everyday coming and going. It's the stuff that you learn as you do it together. When I worked with my granddad on our car changing oil, it's that kind of stuff that you learn. When me and my dad would go make visits to the senior adults and we would ride on the church van together back and forth to take them home, it was those kind of conversations that I watched him have with others that helped me to go, oh, this is how we treat people. This is how we honor. This is how we love well. It's the stuff that you do alongside each other that happens naturally. It's those moments that we teach in every day. Then there's the second part, which is this instruction part, and it's the verbal stuff that we teach it's when we speak into our kids' lives because we want to try to help change how they think. In fact, the Greek word means to put to mind. It means the instructions that you give to your kids as you say, hey, I want you to think about this. I want you to see the world differently. And so what Paul is calling us to do, he says, he says, as you lead your kids, as you raise them up, do it. Showing them how Jesus lived and how Jesus taught us to think. Our call as parents is to teach our kids how Jesus taught us to live and how Jesus taught us to think. And then he also adds in there, and be sure that as you're doing it, you don't do it in a way that they end up angry or despising you. That you know, you're not so hard about it. Like, here's the thing. We all know that sometimes when you, when you teach your kids, hey, look, that's enough screen time. We're going to care about people in the room now. They're going to get angry, right? Some of that you can't help when your kids get angry at you and you teach them what's good and what's right. But always what Paul wants us to do here is to be sure that, that they're angry, not at us or the way that we're teaching. They can be angry at what you teach them if it's right. But be sure it's not you that's the source of their anger or frustration. That you're not short or demanding or nasty or violent. But that, in love, we're patient, kind, self-controlled. We think of their needs above our own, which, if I'm honest, dude, that's super hard, especially when my kiddos have mouthed off at me a little bit, right? In those moments, it's really hard not to just want to really lean in. But what I love here is he says, hey, be sure that as you discipline, you do it in a way that you're not stirring up anger and bitterness. They're not going to learn well. If Jesus could teach in a way that did not, that's what we strive for. And so the two things that we're called to is to teach our kids 
First, how Jesus taught us to live, how Jesus taught us to think. If you're going to write anything down, you could write those things down. We're teaching our kids how Jesus taught us to live, how Jesus taught us to think. And this is the kind of stuff that we do as we go, as we walk, as we move, as we live. I want to share with you two studies really quickly because I think they're important. There was a study done, and you guys have probably heard about it, about kids who grow up in the church and when they finish high school, leave the church, walk away from the church. That statistic is about 70%. 70% of students, once they finish high school, walk away from the church between 18, 22, 25, something like that. 70%. 7 out of 10 will go on hiatus between 18, 22, 23, 24, 25, in that range. I don't know if you know this, but of the students who leave, 67% of them come back. They come back to the church, usually around 25 or 26 when they get older. They didn't leave because they were frustrated with Christianity or theology or the church, typically. I don't know if you knew this, but 80% of those students who walked away said they didn't plan to leave when they finished high school. Which means it's not some like, ingrained belief that they have a frustration with. It's not that the church is making them mad in a particular way. What we find over and over again in the stats, and I can share with you what they said actually was the reason. One is they said because they moved away from their home church, and it was hard to find another one. Some is because they said they just wanted a break from church. It wasn't that they didn't believe it or didn't like it. They just wanted a break. As 25 said, I wanted a break. 23 said it's because I moved away. Some said it was because I got a job and I couldn't make it work. But ultimately, 80% of them said it wasn't like this conscious choice that I made to say, I don't like the church, don't like God, I don't like Jesus, I want to walk away from it. It was a, it was a matter of convenience, not conviction. And you say, why are you telling me that? I think it reflects a little bit on what we're doing as parents. What I mean by that is that if when church and following Jesus is convenient, we follow through. But when it's inconvenient, we take a break. If we're never willing to make sacrifices, if the ball game or if show choir or if band or if our extracurriculars or if visiting family or if vacation or any of these things, if school and our academics and our homework always comes before our faith and being with the church in Christian community where we're encouraged, if we set that habit up, for our middle schoolers and our high schoolers, for our kids as they're growing up. If they always see us finding margin in our faith and in our faith wall, then when they graduate from high school and they're handed their lives, guess where they're going to go for margin? They go, look, I'm going to bail on church, right? Because that's what we give up when we get busy. And when my sorority gets me busy, when school has me busy, when the academic load is really big. And here's the scary part. Those years are probably when they need Christ and adults speaking into their life most. I want you to know they're not leaving because the church is crazy or we believe weird things and they just can't stomach it anymore. Most of them are leaving because being amongst the believers, seeking Christ daily, isn't our habit. It's not a priority. It's just an extra. Now we would say it's big, but it's the place where we find margin. And if it's the place that we raise our kids finding margin, then it's what we keep doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I say that not to like be crazy or weird or scare anybody. The good news is they do typically come back whenever they have kids. And they go, when you get my kids in church, 
Like, Jesus matters, and I want to be sure my kids get that. And I'm glad that they come back, and I'm glad they're not walking away from Jesus. Many of these guys are still praying. They're still reading scripture, some. They just, they're just saying, look, it's not really a big deal to practice faith every day or to be at church every week, to be in Christian community and be encouraged together. I say that to say, I want to encourage us to change that. I want to change that as a dad for my kids. And if I'm honest, I look up and I find days when I go, you know what? We did not have a Jesus conversation today. And so here's, here's the short of it. I want you to, to know there's a, there's a neat book. It's called Nothing Less, Engaging Kids in a Lifetime of Faith. It's a really neat book. What they did is they did, they did some research. They kind of sat down with 2,000 families, and, and they just kind of walked through. Hey, look, let's talk about your kids. Let's talk about their spiritual health, and let's talk about what got them there. And they said, what are the factors that mattered most? I want to read to you some of the factors that mattered most in sons and daughters. More than just asking Jesus to be their Savior at one point, praying a prayer, but in actually having a relationship with Christ and being his disciple and following him. What, what did it take? The first thing, like the most powerful thing in those who had grown is that they read Scripture together as a family. The second one is that they worshiped together as a family. And the third is that they prayed together as a family. I reached out to a lot of parents in our church. I say a lot, probably 10 different families yesterday um, and Friday through some texts and phone calls trying to just say, hey, look, what, what has been huge in your family? If you were to say this is the one thing, the one habit that's made the most difference in helping our kids grow, um, do you know what showed up over and over again? Over and over again, it was consistency in praying for and with our kids consistency in reading Bible stories and scripture with our kids and consistency in how we discipline our kids, the things that we teach them and the things that we tell them. And it was getting them involved in church, in Christian community, having that at our home, going on a mission trip together, doing things together that said, hey, look, we as a family care a lot about following Jesus. So I wonder if you'll do something with me. I wonder if you'll dream differently about your family. What if as parents, instead of thinking that we have to give our kids like, a, a lot of experiences, because i got to tell you, I'm prone to that, to be really high on experiences with my kids and sometimes to be low on relationships. I want, to, man, I want to see everything and do everything and be all the places. I think about our Disney trip. And I think about how it's like we go to this ride and this ride and this ride and this ride. Some of my favorite times at Disney, you know what it is? It's when we like get a burger, we go outside, we sit on a bench, and we just chill for half an hour. And I'm just like, what's been your best part of the day? What do you like? How is it? But like all the running the rides, they're fun, and it's neat to experience that with our kids. But I love the talking. And I realize that I'm super tempted at Disney and every day of my life. To do cool things with my kids, which keep doing cool things with your kids, but be sure that you're talking with your kids about what's beautiful and what's cool and why these things matter. Be sure that you're having the healthy, big conversations that pull them into. Because here's the idea. As parents, and this is the heavy thing that, that turns my stomach every time I think about it. We are born into this world with a rebellion against authority. We want what we want, and we don't like people getting in our way. I was born that way. Like, no one has to convince me. If you tell me what to do, or you tell me what I won't do, there's a real chance I'm going to do just the opposite. I don't like being bossed around. I don't like authority. But can I tell you this? 
We were created by a good God who is the authority. If we don't get this, if we don't get that we are created under authority, we'll live our lives selfishly running after whatever pleasure pops up and we'll miss what matters. I say that because here's, here's the good news. You can teach your kids that God is a good authority by in your home being a good authority. That's what you're called to, and that's what I'm called to. We are called to reflect the beautiful authority of God in our conversations, in the way that we teach, in the way that we show them the world. And this adventure that we're called to lead our kids into, it's not just about demanding rules and demanding respect, but it's about showing them that authority can be good and beautiful. I'm going to give you one tip um, that's helpful, that may like, be a good practice for you to start with. Um, something that I love to do with my kiddos, and it's become an everyday habit in our home, is we'll read a story from the life of Jesus. We take the Gospels, we'll work through the Gospel of Matthew, or Mark, or Luke, or John, but we read one story. Sometimes if he's preaching like the Sermon on the Mount, and it's like full and big and busy, we'll just take like two or three tips. But the idea is that every day, we read a Jesus story, we run into a truth from Jesus, and then we go, Jesus is our master. He is our good, loving Savior. How are we going to follow him today in this? Who is he, and how are we going to follow him? I want my kids to know that Jesus is not just our Savior, but he's our Lord. He's the one who tells us how to live well. And so every day, we look for another way for us to follow him. And so we'll read his story. We'll look at the character of Jesus together. And we'll say, all right, so how are we going to follow him in this? Jesus looks like this, and that is beautiful, and that's good. How are you going to follow him in that today? Everything that we do today, if that's school or reading or baseball, whatever we do today, if that's music or if that's painting, whatever we do, we're going to try to do it in a way that follows Jesus. See if we can find this in the way that we love our mom, the way that we love our grandparents, and the way that we love the people around us, our friends. So I would challenge you. Look, if you're a family and you're going, Stro, it is intimidating to think about leading my kids in faith, right? I don't mind teaching them baseball. I don't mind, like, working with math if I have to, maybe, or English. I give that right, to Robin. But I don't mind certain things. But, Stro, I'm a little intimidated. I'm a little nervous about this faith thing. Can I tell you, that's, that's where I would start. Look, it's real simple. You say, hey, look, Jesus, he's our Savior and our Lord. We want to follow him with our lives. He created all of this, and he created us, and he knows what's best for us. Every day as a family, we're going to sit down together. We're going to read one story. We're going to discover who he is. We're going to know him better. And we're going to try to practice that today. It's one easy thing that your family can do. For our family, that takes anywhere from five to ten minutes, depending on how engaged or disengaged my kiddos are. And look, for the first week, it may be weird trying to convince your kids that this matters and this is going to stick. But the other thing that I heard from a lot of parents is they said, Stro, the biggest thing for us has been consistency. If it's good and it matters, do it all the time. Because the things you do consistently will stick with them. Hey, if you're one of those moms and dads who text me some of the things that have been super helpful, thank you for that. They were super helpful. I'm still in the thick of it, right? I'm just getting started good. Um, so you guys helped kind of help me think through this a lot. I want to challenge you to think differently about family. When you see your kids... Right? These are little people that you're going to teach to live and look and think just like Jesus. That's the biggest thing that you could do. When this is done, 
I've counseled lots of kiddos. I've counseled lots of students. I've never heard a student walk into my office. I've never heard a college student walk into my office and go, Stro, it all fell apart when I couldn't go on that trip to Nashville with them. Or it all fell apart when I didn't make tennis in eighth grade. Like, I've never had a student look at me and go, everything fell apart in my life because I missed out on an experience. Typically the problems, the heavy things, the trouble, it didn't start with something that they missed out on as far as that stuff goes. Typically it had to do with a miss inside of a relationship. A miss inside their home, a relationship that got off track. Yeah? So let's lean into that part of family. Parents, man, with patience and love, let's teach our kids how to live and how to think like Jesus. And kiddos, as your parents try to love you and lead you in the way of Jesus, man, honor them. If you're three, if you're 17, honor your parents. They're doing some things right, and if you'll encourage them and honor them in the things they're doing well, I bet they'll get better at the things that you wish they would improve on. Yeah? Be humble, be gracious, listen and learn from them. Let's see family. Let's dream family the way that God has dreamed family. Let's, man, throw off this normal culture and let's step into a bigger vision. We're going to take a minute to sing together and to reflect and to pray and to ask God to help us live this out. And maybe this is a chance for you and your family just to, to right there where you are, you can pray together. You can say, hey, look, every day I want us to start doing this together. Man, take some time to pray. If you want to come up here and pray together as a family to say, hey, look, we're going to see family differently. I'll share with you this story. My sister and I, um, we desired to kill each other um, from like fifth grade to 11th grade. It was like, who's going to murder who first? Um, like, who can harm you without getting in trouble the most? In 11th grade, I watched a friend of mine and her brother hang out together. And he loved her and he guarded her and she treasured him. And the Lord stirred up in my heart a desire for something better. And I remember looking at my sister as a junior and her looking at me and us saying, hey, look, we want to do this better. I don't want to be a jerk to you anymore and I don't want you to be a jerk to me anymore. And I remember when it changed. And all it took to change our family was for us to dream something bigger. Was for us to want something bigger and then to make the changes when we treated each other the way that we did. That mattered. Kids, just decide. I'm going to honor my parents. I'm going to love them. I'm going to learn from them. I'm going to listen to them. And parents, decide. I'm going to chase Jesus and I'm going to try to show my kids that. And when we need to say no to some things, we'll say no to what we need to say no to. But ultimately, when this life is over, I want them to 